I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Pat. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. As always, uh, we got a good show lined up for you guys. So uh, settle down, turn off the lights, pull up your pull up your blanket, and uh, get ready because recent sightings are up next. So got something a little different for recent sightings. Ooh. This is actually a recent article I read. Okay. About uh, something that happened very long ago. Oh. However, it's um, making a comeback in the eastern United States. Is it Kung Fu Elvis. No. Dang it. Bell bottoms? No. Uh, platform shoes with a goldfish swimming around in the heel. <laughs> no, no, oh. no. Anybody ever hear of the Snallygaster? God bless you. What? The what? <laughs> the Snallygaster. I what? have never heard that word in oh, my life. Oh, no, I did hear that. That's like the B track to the Pink Floyd album, uh, uh, Light Side of the Moon. <laughs> a song about suntan lotion. And- so so uh, there's a woman in Maryland... I believe she's a nurse by trade, uh, but she is currently working on putting together a museum for a cryptid known as the Snallygaster. It's a uh, German uh, folklore legend that came over to the States, and um, apparently uh, there were reports of the Snallygaster in the U.S. back in 1909. So, what is a snallygaster, you may ask? One may. It sounds German. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's described as a dragon-like creature. It's half bird, half reptile. Uh, It was said to have large wings, a metallic beak, glowing red eyes, tentacle for arms, and sometimes tentacles coming out of its mouth. Ooh! Which is just kind of nasty. Metal! Uh, (laughs) Razor-sharp metallic talons. Uh... And um, he, he was known to pick people up, uh, suck blood from their necks, and fling their lifeless bodies aside after they were done with them. He didn't even use all the parts? Yeah, yeah he's being yeah. pretty wasteful. He's just Jeez. being wasteful. Un- unlike the, uh, well, you've got um, uh, down in New Mexico, the... Uh, the chupacabra? Chupacabra. You know, at least they suck the blood out and they just... Leave it at that. At this least guy, eat the body and, yeah. and use the fur. And, and yeah, this guy know. just abuses the body after he just uh, uh, Eddie skin cap. Yes. You know? So, uh, so Sarah Cooper. Uh, this is a story from actually. It's called the DailyYonder dot com. Uh, an article written uh, on the nineteenth of November by Liz Carey. But uh, this person, Sarah Cooper, recently moved to the Maryland area. Uh, near Frederick, Maryland, and she's she's collecting all kinds of uh, newspaper articles and other artifacts relating to the Snallygaster legend, and she's actually ma- making a museum that's scheduled to open in 2022. Um, and uh, I guess her husband, um, she and her husband are building a barn, which is going to house the museum on their property, I guess, but... Uh, but the Snallygaster is, is kind of crazy. You know, she, she she couldn't believe, you know, she's always kind of, Sarah has always been into, you know, paranormal type stuff. So she, when she moved to Maryland, she started researching uh, the folklore of the area. And she couldn't believe that she came across this, this cryptid and, and nobody around there knew about it. Nobody around there talk, talked about it. So it's kind of her way of bringing awareness to the Snallygaster. Huh. She'll go to, uh, you know, probably like Comic-Cons or different conventions and things and bring some of the stuff she has amassed with her right now. So it's almost kind of a traveling museum right now, but 
she's working on putting it together and it'll all be in one place place and you can actually go and visit the Snallygaster Museum. Just when you think you know of all the cryptids. You think I mean, yeah, you have you haven't heard it all, you know? I it's, have a, I have a book on my shelf over here. It's called It's a Cryptozoology Encyclopedia A to Z. And there's some weird stuff in there. We'll have to there. dig into that and see if the Snallygaster is I in bet there. you it is. I don't know. I've just never heard book. of it, man. That's Yeah, so, it was new new to me. When was the last sighting of the Snallygaster? Does that get into that? Uh, I think there was well, uh back in the 1940s. Um <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that story in, in, in a little bit here. But, uh, you know, back in 1909, uh, the, the legend has it, um, over the course of two months, several people reported seeing this creature and hearing flights between, or, I'm sorry, hearing fights between it and its supposed mortal enemy, the Dwayu. You ever hear that one? Here we go. D-W-A-Y-Y-O, Dwayo which is a wolf-like creature that walked on two feet. Oh, we have a paranormal grudge match here. Ding, ding. Yeah, sounds like (laughs) a dog man or something. But uh, people were hearing fights, apparently, between these two creatures. Is this something that's native to Maryland, or is it a carry? I mean, these sightings. People believe it came over from Germany. So I don't know if they brought one over there, or it was German immigrants that... that, um, you know, maybe witnessed one here in the States, and then they told the story about sure. about the creature, and that's how it kind of took off. Okay. But so stow away on a boat across the Atlantic. Maybe. And then like, oh, no, we got snallygusters in the galley. <laughs> but shooting at back in 1909, other so- sightings followed that first initial sighting, and it, it just took the country by storm. Apparently, the uh, Smithsonian offered a reward for the hide of snallygaster, even President Teddy Roosevelt considered putting off a trip to Africa so he could stay and and go on a, an expedition to find a Snallygaster and hunt him. He's got to be one of my favorite presidents, by the way. I was going to say. Some, some of the stuff he's he's been into. He's done and he's, said. He's going to take his, uh, his elephant gun and yeah. go <laughs> capture a Snallygaster. And if anybody could have, it would have been him. Didn't he have, like, wrestling tournaments in the White House? That's what I read about Teddy Roosevelt. He'd invite friends over and wrestle. Let's wrestle. He'd wrestle them. Wasn't Ab- Abraham Lincoln was an accomplished wrestler? He's like a pugilist. Yeah, I think he was like or a was bare a knuckle boxer. boxer. Yeah, I think he was like a bare knuckle brawler. And his record was like a hundred wins and one loss or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, you like roll him up and just fisticuffs right there in the <laughs> right there. Man, I love Challenge it. Challenge you to a duel. <laughs> but you were asking if they there were more recent sightings back in the forties. Uh, one report declared the creature was dead. And this is a great story. Apparently a moonshiner in w- Washington County, Maryland claimed the Snallygaster had flown over his still and passed out because of the fumes from, from his still. The bird lizard fell into his 2,500 gallon bat and drowned only to be destroyed later by revenue agents when they demolished the moonshine operation and its product. Once upon a time in so, college. So the government came in. <laughs> Darn government, boy. Killed. To get rid of the moonshine, and they found a cryptid, and they got rid of that, too. Smelly gas skeleton. Get rid of the evidence. It flew into the distillery and drowned. It, do, it yeah. reminds me of a time in college. I was at a house party, and this guy had a bottle of, I think it was sake or... Uh, oh, rice wine. Rice. It was it was something <laughs> imported from Japan. Toilet wine. Yeah. But it was in a it was in a liquor bottle, and inside was a actual yeah. snake. Yeah, yeah. Like a dead yeah. snake. And then there was another one with a lizard in it, Almost, yeah. like it, formaldehyde or yeah. something. Yeah, and it like wine. like ferments the animal or something mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, you get like the snake vitamins. Sterilizes it. Yeah. yeah. So you know, of course, I you know had to be the tough guy and threw back a shot of that. Oh. Of course, yeah. I had already had a few drinks in me by then. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. But uh, yeah, it could have been a Snallygaster for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> We're missing an opportunity to do some branded uh, uh, alcohol and call it like Snallygaster Moonshine or something like that. <laughs> you, you know? Go. Brought to you by Paranormal Million Dads. Million dollar idea. There you go. Trademark Paranormal Dads. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, that's the that's, Snallygaster for That's you. insane. So this, me- this, uh, this museum is going up. The museum's fairly. going up. And, and, and one of the other interesting things about it is uh, so – you know they they saw him in 1909 and then again in the in the 40s uh there's one kind of speculation that the snallygaster is on like a 20 year um 
hibernation, hibernation or- kind of a thing, or it takes a 20-year incubation before another snallygaster hatches, because apparently they, they come out of eggs. That's, that's one of the things that people have found snallygaster eggs in their barns and things like that. So is that kind but of it's like thought- cicadas? Is that, is that what I'm cicadas thinking? Cicadas have a 17-year. Right. Yeah. Seven or 17-year Yeah, 17-year incubation. But, but somehow this 20-year incubation period works out to the, his next visit will be in 2024. Ooh. Oh, so snap. the museum will be open by then. We can go to the museum. We can trip. go out into the woods and look for the snallygaster. We're going to Maryland, and we're going to go snallygaster hunting in 2024. Maryland 2024. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's right in the wheelhouse of chupacabra. Not not geographically, but in terms of the creature's description. I mean, mm-hmm. you got wings, you got horns, you got scales, you got... It's Jersey I mean, devilish in a do, way, too. Like, name a feature, the creature has it. Yeah. But I don't know. It's almost like the taxidermy, you know stitch it together you know find every creepy right uh, attribute and and slap it together and there you have a, a snallygaster but i don't know like the people who see this like what could they be mistaking it for like <laughs> with that it. many features right if it has tentacles coming out of its, out of its mouth, mouth what do you confuse it with yeah i don't know i i think i do wonder too about what if it is a cryptid but it doesn't quite have all those features and then you know you get the telephone game or say it was like eating a snake or something, and they're like, it's got tentacles on its mouth when it's eating a, a, a snake or something. Or maybe it know. was two different cryptids, and they merged them together. You know? Maybe. <laughs> I love the idea that like they have a rivalry, too. The Dua. Yeah, the Dua or Duayu. 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 Which is a dog. Duayu. Duayu. D-W-A-Y-Y-O. Which is a dog man. Yeah. Again. It's essentially a Coming back again. I don't care what the snallygaster looks like. If it's going up against a dog man, I'm putting my money on the dog man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> See, just when you think you've heard it all, you know. We're going to have to break out your book later, Andy. Yeah, we will. Um, actually, during our intermission here, I'll see if I can find it and we could reference that. Yeah. The thing about the snallygaster idea, too, is that it's kind of cool because, like, it does show us that, that we haven't heard everything yet. No. You know? I mean, that, that kind of gets up there to me in, like, interdimensional creatures again like this is a 20-year thing like what if it's like a portal type thing where every 20 years every 20 years it sneaks through the portal and yeah or some of those things get through you know a couple of them every so often i don't know just crazy (laughs) but it's for uh cryptids like this is the reason why we will never run out of content people it's time for pop culture and the paranormal All right, welcome to my segment of uh, my turn at behind the wheel of the pop culture and the paranormal. And this time around, it is not only a pop culture and paranormal, but it's also fairly recent as far as recent sightings go. Yeah, uh, Yeah, it's. Uh, I recently saw the film uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and it is uh, something else. It's very exciting. So. For our listeners, I mean, I think most of our listeners are familiar with Ghostbusters, like the idea. The original Ghostbusters film in 1984 had the, featured the cast of Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. And uh, I don't want to give away too much about this, but they set this as a direct sequel. So if you're following Ghostbusters, the actual like movie franchise, there was Ghostbusters 1, which came out mm-hmm. in 1984. Ghostbusters 2, which I think was like 86 or 87. Yeah, a couple years later. Something like yeah. that. And then, uh, which was less well-received, but still pretty fun. Yeah, it was, it was still a decent one. Yeah. And then that was it. That was it. There was people who wanted to see more Ghostbusters, and I'm, I was certainly one of them. You know, it was a fun movie franchise. Ghostbusters 2, fun fact for Eddie fans out there or whatever, uh, I read the the uh, the novelization of the movie right. before the movie came out. Oh, really? Yeah, so a lot of... And maybe they still do it now, I don't know, but especially in the 80s and 90s, yeah. before a movie would come out, they would release a paperback version right. of the movie as a book. Yeah. And you could buy the book and read it and kind of know what the movie was about. They actually did that for Star Wars. They I, did not. I believe, yeah. yeah. But the book was true to the movie, which sometimes isn't the case. Yes, because okay. sometimes the people who are doing the book get a copy of the script and they have to turn it into a novel. And... Sometimes they make script changes at the last minute that the book doesn't show. And so sometimes the book will vary a little bit. And I I did notice that with the Ghostbusters book. There were some parts that were a little bit different. Um, I didn't know they did it with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, And 
Another one I can just think of off the top of my head, Rocky Three. No I, way. I actually read the book before I saw the movie. Look at that. Yeah. Think we're nerdy? <laughs> no, we're nerdy. Uh, I remember so, Ghostbusters too. It had the painting, like yeah, the ghost Vigo the, the Carpathian. That's yeah. the name of the guy in the yeah. And uh, it was a fun, fun movie, you know. But after that one, they just did not come out with another film. They had the cartoon, they had a bunch of other things, uh, but nothing as a full feature motion picture. Well, about three years ago now, they came out with another. They called it Ghostbusters, and it was like. Set in the universe of Ghostbusters, but it wasn't looked at as a direct sequel. It kind of nodded to the fact that the first Ghostbusters film existed, but it was almost a reboot. There was kind right. of of the of the film, and I enjoyed it. I did personally, but I think a lot of people didn't necessarily dig it because it felt like if you're going to make a Ghostbusters movie, why do it this way? Can't you do it a different way? Are you referencing the one with the girls with, yes. the, with the ladies? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had uh, Melissa McCarthy, and uh, there were a few cameos and things like that in there. Yeah, for it, but there there were cameos. Bill Murray had a cameo. In he there. did. Yeah, yep. but yeah. they weren't playing their characters from Ghostbusters. Right. There was a uh, there was a marble bust of Harold Ramis in the <laughs> college that this one lady was like teaching out of. So okay. they snuck little they snuck little Easter eggs in little for nods. people. Yeah, but not not a thing of like this is race dance. This is sure. you know Peter Venkman. They didn't do any of that. For this movie. So a lot of Ghostbusters fans were kind of like, well, I mean, sure, but not a real Ghostbusters sequel. So Mm -hmm. kind of like a a story set sideways to the other one. So this one comes out uh, this year. It was supposed to come out last year. Uh, COVID really kind of put a number on that movie. And Sony uh, slash Columbia was not about to release this digitally. They were like, Mm -hmm. nope, this is coming into theaters. We're not playing around here. It's just theaters only. So because of that, it kept getting punted until finally, and I think it was a huge, I don't know why it didn't come out at Halloween, but it comes out two weeks after Halloween. Yeah. I thought that was very odd. Very weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect Halloween movie. Yeah. So um, not wanting to give away too much on the plot, but I will say this much about it. So it's set several years, essentially it's set real time, 30 years after the events of the uh, Ghostbusters films, and it basically picks up with Egon's grandchildren and what they're doing. And essentially it's set in a small town in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Mm. It's not set in New York City. Okay. And there's a, there's a very big reason for that in the movie, and it kind of plays itself out over time. You know, the thing about Ghostbusters, which was so great about it in the early 80s, was that New York, especially in the early 80s, was still kind of a rough place. You know, it was still kind of remnant of the gang stuff the, the horrible like, new york was a dangerous place in the mm-hmm. 70s like that was a big deal about it and heck that movie warriors was kind of a tip of the warriors. hat i actually watched that this weekend it Did was you? on uh it was on prime for just a short time my brother happened to spot that it was on there and he let me know and so i saw that it was like gonna leave prime in like eight days so i i got busy and watched just it this watch weekend it. But, yeah and it's a over the top gang movie basically yeah. Yeah. uh about you know gang violence in the 70s but in New York and that was the kind of the idea was that New York even in the early 80s was still kind of a rough spot so New York in the story of Ghostbusters is it's almost its own character you know and so having like hauntings and all these having ghosts wander the streets of New York was kind of a scary kind of a creepy prospect and mm. so setting it in Oklahoma is kind of an interesting idea but when you see it play out you're like oh, okay I see where they did this um but uh, it involves his grandchildren. It involves kind of this legacy of the Ghostbusters kind of fading away into silence. People were like, yeah, it was crazy. New York was crazy in the 80s with ghosts, and now it's all <laughs> calmed down. And Paul Rudd is in it, who's hilarious. You can't go wrong if Paul Rudd's in it. Yeah. But I, and I was asking you before we started recording, because you know, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I almost wonder if it's like when Jurassic World came out and I mm-hmm. saw Jurassic World in theaters, it was so nostalgic because there were so many little... Not even Easter eggs, not even hidden things, but they were just like an obvious nod, an obvious you know homage to the original Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so is it kind of like that where there's a lot of they pay tribute to some of the original? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they did their darndest. I mean, not even that. It's definitely tied to the to the other movies. I mean, so the original cast is in this movie. So it's almost like with Jurassic World. I mean, if I remember right, they didn't even have they didn't have original cast members in that movie. They no, didn't have a couple, so. couple of them. You know, um, oh, the Hammond. 
the, okay. the rich guy. He was in Jurassic World. Okay. Okay. But they but, didn't have like, but, you know. But yeah, the main characters. Jeff Goldblum wasn't in there. Yeah. Although I think Goldblum was in one of the later Jurassic World He was ones. in two or three. Or I think they brought him back. Both. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, for example, in Jurassic World, they find the old, uh, the, the old vehicles, you know, yeah. from the original episode. Right. And, you know, this isn't even a, a spoiler because this is in one of the trailers, but don't they, they find the old Ghostbusters uh, vehicle. They do. In, yeah. They find the Ecto-1. One. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the first thing one of the kids says is like, what an what a old piece of crap this is. Like, they, you know, and it, I mean, even in the 80s movie. <laughs> yeah, back a, in the day, it was a piece of, it was, a, it was, it was an, an old, old ambulance. Of, I mean, when he pulled it up, actually, wasn't it an old hearse? I think it was old hearse. Was it a hearse? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they turned it into like an ambulance Like an ambulance looking. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of that too, where it's like, do you remember Ghostbusters was 30 years ago? You know, just that just filed that away. But it uh, has a ton of heart. It's very fun. And uh, anybody who's a fan of the Ghostbusters, let, let alone paranormal movies. And this is where the fun part, because I feel like you ride this line between being like charming, nostalgia, but also kind of still scary. And I feel like Stranger Things, if you guys are familiar with that one uh, on Netflix, uh, was very good at that. A um, little bit less comedy, you know, had funny parts. But Ghostbusters, they've always rode that line, I think, really well between you're laughing one second and the next you're actually kind of creeped out. You're like, oh, man, what's, like, what's going to happen here? And, and so uh, one of my favorite uh, scenes in the first Ghostbusters was when Ray and Peter are in the New York Public Library and they turn the corner and there's a librarian. Yes, just turns and looks at them. Shh. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of respond with humor. Well, yeah. their initial reaction is terror because they just look at each other and they look on their faces. <laughs> and then uh, Bill Murray's character starts coming back with quippy humor, you know, yeah. and mm. and that's what kind of makes it kind of this kind of almost this like uh, infectious mixture of like they they take, you know, they take some of the fear out by making fun of it, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's very similar in this in this movie too, where there are some legitimately creepy parts. Uh, but they kind of interfuse it with some humor as as well. But uh, not to want to give away too much away, but the film is called Ghostbusters Afterlife, and the original cast does show up. And for people who are following along, um, Harold Ramis did pass away, I think, four years ago. And so they did find a way to get him in the movie. And so all I'll say is just, you know, between the title of the movie and the fact that he's in the movie, uh, keep your eyes peeled for what happens. It's a very fun Sweet part. Now is he well. Egon? He's Egon. Egon. Okay. Yeah, he's the brainy one with the glasses. Okay. Yeah, yeah and the crazy hair. <laughs> so in the in the world of uh, paranormal movie uh, critic Eddie, um, mm-hmm. would you give rank this solid eight or nine stars out of ten? Where's this Where's this one coming in on the paranormal scale? Oh, I easily give it a nine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's just really fun. I mean, we walked out. I got I got. I'm very emotional when it comes to storytelling. I'm I'm kind of an emotional guy. Period. And so it's like I had tears in my eyes a little bit. I was laughing. I was clapping. It was a fun movie. And it, mm. and, and it does, especially as we all talk about being paranormal dads. I mean, these guys in this movie are very much paranormal dads in some mm. cases. And so it's like um, seeing this notion of acknowledging the spirit world and then carrying that legacy on with younger kids uh, – there's a great scene in it where one kid's like, I, I don't believe in ghosts. And right as soon as he said that, a ghost flies by and slimes the entire place. And he's just sitting there standing in slime, <laughs> dripping, <laughs> dripping in it. <laughs> and so it's just a fun, it's a fun take. So like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a great film and uh, perfect, frankly, for, uh, for the holiday season. If you like a little bit of spooky with your uh, holiday uh, plans. Guaranteed you'll, you'll have a good time with this one. But, yeah, can't get enough of the Ghostbusters. It was a fun one for sure. Yeah, Christmas is such a ghosty uh, holiday it anyway. Is. It really is. I said that to you someone. Know, the more you like, think oh, about it, it, there's so many ghost stories associated with Christmas. We've talked about this before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. I'll, I need to – I haven't been to a theater in, in a while. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been to maybe two or three movies since COVID started. So, sure. Um yeah, that's one I'll probably have to go see in the theater. I think you should. I'm, I've been kind of feel like I've been making up for lost time, <laughs> where I've mm-hmm. I've gone to the theater probably four times in the past couple months. But it's also it's kind of nice to kind of get back in the get out you know, out of the house, get out of the house, <laughs> get into a film theater and clap along with people who are excited to see the same stories you are. But yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife by far is a super fun and a paranormally little treat. Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters.
And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to the main mystery. Ooh. And we, today we have a main mystery that is more near and dear to my heart than uh, any topic uh, we've ever talked about thus far. This is one of those things that, especially like we talked about this before the mics went on about the notion of soul contracts and the people that you meet. The people in your life that you just feel connected to, um, you just have a connection. You're just like, wow, yeah. I think we're going to be friends. I mean, I remember meeting this guy. I remember meeting Pat what, now, 18 years ago now, 17 years ago. Yeah, it's got to be about that. And being like, I think we're going to be friends. You know, yeah. Same with you and me. I mean, it was one of those things. Like, I met you, and I'm like, I can't pretend to know when this is going to happen, but I feel like we're going to be friends. You know, And then what, two years? Not quite two years. Like, like a year and some change later. Well, and see, and again, it's kind of synchronicity. It's kind yeah. of fate and destiny because my session with Eddie was a unique one, talking about past lives here. So, Still to this date, out of all the readings I've done over the years, out of all the psychic sessions, Eddie is the oldest soul that I've come across, which means Eddie is a glutton for punishment, apparently, because he's had more <laughs> past lifetimes than any other individual that I've ever met. And we, I, we, I can't we, keep this right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we hit it off big time, but like... Like all, like most of my clients, I lost touch with him for like two years or a period. I don't know. A year plus. Yeah, yeah period of time. Like and turns out one of his family members bumped into me in public and they said, oh, yeah, you, you gave Eddie a reading, you know, yeah. and said he was an old soul. And You can just say, you met my, my ex-wife. Ex, ex-wife, Shireen. Yep. And, you know, then we had, we all had dinner together and yep. it was like, yeah, and then we were right brought on. back together and here we are. Picked up know? like no time had gone by at all. It was just fun. And and that's the thing. It's like uh, I think with the notion of soul contracts and, and uh, these connections that we have, it's like there's people that you meet every day. You know, you say you go to work and you see them all the time, but you, you, they don't, you don't feel connected. You don't feel moved. You don't feel like your life is taking a different path because of these people. And then there's people that you do meet. And either you maybe fall in love with them or you become really close friends with them or they affect your life in some way, uh, whether positive or negative. And this is where we get into that notion of a soul contract. Sometimes those things can be negative. Yeah. Negative mm-hmm. under the human definition of negative. And so it's like when you look at it in the mindset of an eternal being that's going to reincarnate, it's like when we go back to the to our light bodies or whatever it is you want to call our our permanent existence, and the notion is, man, that was great. We we three were were good buddies and we were best friends and we made a podcast in this next life. Hey, next time around, I'm going to be a bully to you. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's like it's it's yeah. like the notion is like we take. Am I wrong? Is that kind of how that goes? It's, it's spot on, Eddie. I mean, and if if anybody, and along those lines, if anybody wants to see a, a Disney Pixar representation of this, watch the movie called Soul. Oh, Soul, you, so you, good. You talk about a soul that's getting ready to come down to, to Earth and live a life and, and the roles that they're choosing and the, the, the you know, the encounters that they're promising that they're going to have with one another. It's, it's so moving and it's so spot on in terms of what I found to be true about reincarnation and you know, how we come into this life knowing we're going to live with certain people, knowing we're going to have an impact on certain people, knowing that we have, we each have a a destiny of sorts to fulfill, whether that's one of teacher or student or doctor or patient or uh, troublemaker so that another person can experience what it's like to be a forgiver of a troublemaker. But past lives in I know I get carried away and get a little hyper, but it, it's it's quite literally my absolute favorite topic of the spiritual realms. And we were talking about this before we started because, you know, in, in conversations with people, my mind always goes to past lives first because they really do shape a large part of who we are today. And Pat was talking about he he can he can he knows a little bit how to play guitar, but not he's not an expert by any means. But no. he he recently Hardly bought even, a second guitar, not even proficient really. <laughs> <laughs> Yet I own three of them now. You own three of them? I just bought a new one. And so I was kind of joking, okay, Pat has a thing for guitars. He can't play very well yet, but he has a thing for it. Is mm-hmm. it is it so, you know, uh, insane to, to say that maybe in a past life Pat was good at guitar, and maybe that, you know, that, that draw or fascination with them has led him to purchase a trifecta of them nowadays? I know? used to sit around the campfire at the stagecoach and... That's just it. Play. Yep. Play us a song, Cookie. <laughs> he was Paranormal Pete back then. <laughs> Eddie was the old prospector. You Always. Know, eating his beans off off to the side. In every not life. Not participating. Yeah. We let Stinky Eddie sit off to the side. Because <laughs> he stinks. It's in his nickname. It's not a clever one. It's a factual one. <laughs> 
You know, but the thing is, all of us, you, you listener, and, and us three and everybody, yeah. we are drawn as humans to certain time periods, mm-hmm. to certain locations, and to certain ge- to certain historical events. Yeah. You know, whether that's uh, Prohibition era USA mm-hmm. and speakeasies, you know, maybe that's the sinking of the Titanic. Maybe it's uh, Renaissance England and jousting, you yeah. know, could be medieval uh, medieval France. It could be, you know, the Great Wall of China. Like, what what are you drawn to? What places do you have you always wanted to visit and can't quite explain why? A lot of these a lot of these things are rooted in past life memories. It's it's like right below the surface. It's like our soul remembers, but our brain doesn't quite connect the dots. Mm. Yeah, and it's like you have almost a strange longing for some of these things, places that you maybe have never even actually been to. But this notion of like a feeling of being connected or wanting to be connected, in fact, reconnected to these places. I know uh, past life stuff, especially as you and I kind of embarked on this. Because, I mean, up until my psychic reading with you, I was always a fan or uh, a, um, a, um, a passive, I think, person when it came to the paranormal. And I think literally the reading with you and then going on my own personal journey, uh, which you know has led me where I'm at to this very day, up until to create this podcast, but it's been like a very active part of the spiritual and the paranormal, like t- kind of taking a deep dive into what those things mean to me. And um, one of those things that kind of got activated kind of synonymously with the, uh, with the um, reading that you gave me was I was having reoccurring dreams of this uh, time and place that I was dressed in what you can only really describe as like like ancient like like bronze age like clothing a lot of robes and like you know like flowing loose garment almost a middle east style garb and a lot of sandal wearing <laughs> and, and it was a, a reoccurring dream that I was having over and over and over again and I couldn't quite shake that feeling that I have I I, I lived in a part of uh, and I'll get to the point here, but I, got, I lived in a part of a world that was very kind of uh, desertish and had a lot of had trees and stuff, but wasn't nearly foresty. And I remember one of the dreams, not one of them, several of them reoccurring, but um, one of the themes in it was that uh, we had looked up into the sky and pointed, and there was basically like a planet we were looking at, and it was essentially Earth. That in this dream, I wasn't even on Earth. I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I think this is a Mars thing. And I was wondering about them. And then later on, coming up, and I, this was before I knew this, where it was like there's these active beliefs that maybe a civilization of humans lived on Mars way back a long time ago when we were kind of, we, the, the, the notion of civilization kind of having these peaks and valleys of our development and that we did have moon bases, we did have Mars bases, and these are things that were very real and functional, and, and we were a space-going species, and then, you know, things got reset, and we forgot, and we don't know how anything got built because we forgot these things, and and so that notion, that tie of another time, another place, but you feel pulled yeah. to it, you feel connected to it, and you can't really explain why, yeah. whether it's guitars or it's Mars or it's things that rhyme with Bars. <laughs> Bars. Oh, man, I love me some drinks. <laughs> you know, but, but speaking of drinks, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there's so many things that can tie us to past lifetimes. Speaking of drinks, and this is one, one of a hundred examples in my book, but I, I, I had a client uh, years ago who I, I told her about her past lifetime and images, like they always do, they come to me in my mind's eye and it looks like I'm watching a, a, a trailer for an upcoming movie on YouTube. I see, I see it as if I'm there. And I saw this lady in 1800s Old West or Wild West. Uh, She was married to a guy who loved his whiskey Mm. and he loved his poker. Mm. And he didn't treat her very good. And he he was often losing large quantities of money and and drinking whiskey late into the night. So he wasn't good at poker. No, he wasn't good. He he just liked it. (laughs) (laughs) He liked his whiskey. He was bad at poker. Yeah. Um, But her feedback, as always, her feedback is what was most astonishing. She said she hates the smell of whiskey. Can't stand it. Major aversion to it nowadays. Uh, her current husband, or at the time, they, they, they might not be together anymore, but she said her husband uh, was not very good to her. He was an active poker player, uh, also not very good because he, he lost a lot of their money and went into debt. 
Um, and to boot, on top of that, she hates the Old West. Her father apparently was a big John Wayne fan, and every time she's hanging around at family you know, holidays and stuff and he turns on a Western, she just leaves the room. She can't stand the Old West. <laughs> so poker, whiskey, the Old West, you know, of course... Of course she doesn't like those things because it stirs up some deja vu, some memories of a past lifetime where those things weren't very pleasant for her. So, again, the, you know, our brain can't recall, but our soul never forgets. Mm-hmm. And on the, on, the, on the other end of the spectrum, you have good examples and analogies of that, of people who are born with a, a particular talent or, or a special interest or a, or a particular ability that is just above and beyond what the average five or six year old kid should be able to do. You know, these kids who are, you know, playing uh, piano in professional concerts by the time they're eight years old. Right. It's not a stretch to assume they might have played piano in a past life and they were just born knowing how to do, how to tickle the eye. All the wiring was, was already there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, there's exactly. so many stories of people who just know how to do things, you know. And as, as, as children, children, it's always children, you know, kids, particularly kids between the ages of three and four. That's a magical little window of time, because that's when children are most likely to sense and feel and relay information that could be related to their past lifetimes, mm-hmm. information that could be related to memories they have of what they did in between lifetimes, which is a place we all know as heaven. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I've found it to be true that most people spend anywhere between uh, 10, 20, 50 years, it varies, but we spend uh, quite a chunk of time in the afterlife before coming back for another adventure. But it's these three and four year old kids who, you know, they're, they're still incredibly psychic and intuitive, but they're finally at three and four, they're articulate enough to explain what they're feeling and what they're seeing, which they couldn't do when they were one or two years old. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got, I rounded up on uh, ranker.com, a couple stories of, well-known cases of kids who claim that they that they do remember who they were. One, and that's ranker, like R A N K E R, like ranking, ranking versus rancor. Like I hate, <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> this is like a ranking system. Oh, good, just making sure. <laughs> but the first one Things here, I hate. starting with number one, <laughs> you. <laughs> it says a midwestern toddler recalls writing "Gone with the Wind." Oh. A little story oh. might sound vaguely a familiar. Claim. Yeah. And it says, from the time he was two years old, a Midwestern child named Lee insisted he had another house and another mommy. By the age of three, he began saying that he was born on June 26th rather than his actual birthday of June 21st. Lee claimed his middle name was Ko, which is spelled C-O-E. And he wrote movies for a living and that he had a daughter named Jennifer. Uh, Lee... uh, Lee's sister asked him how old he was when he died, and he promptly replied that he was 48. So Lee's curious parents relayed the titles of several movies to Lee, asking him if he had written them. When they mentioned Gone with the Wind, Lee became enthusiastic. He eagerly claimed that he wrote the film. So after a quick Google search, Lee's parents learned that the writer of Gone with the Wind was named Sidney Coe Howard. So there's the Coe. Mm -hmm. And Howard was born... On June 26, and wouldn't you know it, had a daughter named Jennifer, and passed away at guess what age? 48. Age 48. Yeah. And that's a weird number to just pull out of the air. For, and how for old was this kid? Day? He was three. Three. Of course. This kid's not pulling this up on the internet. <laughs> no. I'm going to lie to my parents about writing "Gone with the Wind." Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. You know, and there's only gosh, hundred other of these cases. I mean, it's like. That's, you know, and I've lectured on a lot of topics uh, over the years, you know, um, ghost stories, talks about angels, talks about intuition. My, my lecture on past lives is my favorite because it comes with so much factual evidence. Yeah. Like, there's no way a three-year-old kid could hit the nail on the head with that many specifics. Like there's no way he he was he was the writer of Gone with the Wind. I think I there mean, was a there was a story, and I'm going to butcher this, but there was a story of a child who had writ, who had came back and said he had just helped help design the Titanic. Mm. Yeah, sounds familiar. Also, yeah. he was going into like specific design schematic criteria that no like, and he was a young kid. I mean, he was like five or four, yeah. and he was going into like beam tolerances and twist ratios of steel, and they're like, how does he know any of this? And they were like, did he watch this on the History Channel? I was like, no, you just don't go into that. <laughs> how many rivets? How many <laughs> you could fit into a square inch of a... Yeah. So was he responsible for the Titanic? I know, That's right? I know. Like, maybe so, maybe so he wasn't that good of an engineer. <laughs> we can sue him. 
I want all your Elmos. Give <laughs> me all your Sesame Street books. <laughs> so, anyway, there's 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 so much. I mean, we could give one more just to throw out at us. Well, I have another story, but I, I did want to read to you a couple uh, a couple comments that popped up on my Facebook page the other day. Just, oh yeah, just to illustrate how common this actually is. So. Uh, was it last week? The week before last, I was in Kansas City and made an appearance on uh, Mix 93 Radio in Kansas City to promote my book and talk, talk past lifetimes. It was, it was a blast. But the night before, I kind of wanted to fan the flames a little bit, so I posted on my psychic medium Andy Myers Facebook page. I just said, hey, what's the weirdest thing you've ever heard a kid say? Yeah. Because it's just opening up Pandora, Pandora's yeah. past life box there. Yeah. And slew of comments came in. I, I screenshotted a couple of them, but somebody named Jenny Ellis said uh, her her daughter once said, "I miss Grandpa B." And the, the funny thing is, Jenny's daughter never met Jenny's dad. Um, he passed away in 2012. The child wasn't born until 2015, but they have some sort of a some sort of a connection. I mean. How can and, and this pops up in my book in my upcoming book as well. How can you miss somebody that you never met? Right. Unless right. it's somebody that you crossed paths with in heaven before you came into this lifetime. Yep. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. You know, or and I would only put you meet you saw them when you were like little here. Like they showed up to you as a one or two year old and talked to you and then stopped showing up. Kind of appear in your bedroom and wave hello kind of my, deal. My youngest daughter, um oh, yes. when she was uh Barely two, she was like two something, like two two years and one month old, barely into her you know second year of life, and her great grandfather had passed away, um, uh, my my ex wife's granddad, and so we hadn't gone to the funeral. Me, I stayed back with her because she was so small. The drive alone would have eaten this kid up. She would have been a mess, and she didn't travel well anyway. So we're like, ah, I'll just stay here, and you go to the funeral. And so when they got back from the funeral, and it was maybe a day or two. Um, Gwen starts pointing at this long hallway in our old house and just says the word man. She's like, man, man. And she had never done that before. And she would like point and talk about this man. And then after a while, about a week or two of this, and she would, with regularity, within about every other day, a couple times a week, she would say, you know, man, and just point down the hallway. Same hallway, you know. And then after a few weeks of her not saying it, she looked at us and she's like, man, go. And she, uh, like a question, and, I, and like put her hands out like, you know, like, like where, did he, deal? where did, did he, he go? go? He didn't, he, he stopped showing up. And I think, I think about that with deceased relatives who like don't quite want to transition yet. So they hang out for a little bit and, until they're ready to go. Yeah. I do think about that. So when you have small kids who say they miss somebody, I, think, I wonder about that, you know. Yeah. It's touching. It really is. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, another response on my page from a lady named Chelsea. She said that my middle child is now seven years old, uh, and he said he remembers his journey from heaven because he used to watch me play with his oldest brother, and being placed. He remembers being placed in his mom's tummy, and he this. I loved this part. He also states that God is a woman and is very kind. <laughs> huh, there you go. I can get on board. I can absolutely get on board with a higher power that's a woman. It, yeah. It kind of makes sense. I mean, you get into that all, and once again, you get into the notion of a higher power that just manifests itself in a way that you would find most. Right. You know, but yeah, I agree. Like, you know, us guys, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> the world's the world's a hot mess right now. We need it. We need a God that's a woman to fix this. Place. Yeah. Calm things down. Let's settle down a little bit. Simmer down. Anyway, I love that, and that's what I wrote back to her. As I love the thought of God being a woman. But yeah. There's something to what you said, though. I feel like higher, a higher power or a divine being usually manifests as whatever you would be most comfortable seeing it yeah. as. You know. So, so you're you're, you're going to see God as a Bigfoot. I, my God <laughs> might be a Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not scary. Just you know, kind of a gentle giant, friendly. You know, one that you might want to snuggle and hug and totally. You know, make you a warm cup of soup. Make the Harry and the Hendersons good. Bigfoot. Yes. That's, that's the one. Yes. You know, yeah. Andre the Giant, six million dollar man. Bigfoot. That's that's Pat. <laughs> I thought Pat was going to be Obi Wan Kenobi. That's how God's going to appear to Pat. <laughs> what was your? What, what would yours be like, Baby Yoda? Oh man, for me, what makes you feel most cozy? Mm, a bear hug from uh, from Leonard Nimoy. That's, what, <laughs> that's who God's going to show up as. <laughs> All right. Well, last one I'll read from Krista. Um, 
My son, between the ages of three and four, you see a trend here? Of course, he's yeah. About that—that's that window, man. That window. So her son, between the ages of three and four, would tell me every morning when he was when he got up about going to his black house. He said that his mom was Sarah, and that he can only call her mother, not mommy. He described rocking his baby brother Alex. Uh, fun fact: he doesn't have a baby brother in this lifetime, <laughs> anyways. But he would—he remembers rocking his baby brother Alex, who was wrapped in a brown blanket. Uh, super vivid descriptions, always kind of creeped out Krista, but she believes that he was seeing or experiencing something else, something from a different time or place. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You crazy. don't see a lot of brown children's blankets around these days. Not really. Bright colors. <laughs> Bright like brown colors. kids' blanket. Right? You don't see many houses that are painted black. Black. Either. Yeah. No. That, that, that's definitely an older yeah. throwback. Um, yeah. Did you guys have any, Pat, did you have any experience with your children at all? Like when they were super young, having any sort of weird? I can't think of any off off the top of my head. Um, you know, I, I don't, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> but His kids are geniuses, though, by the way, both of them. <laughs> yes. So, it, it, you know, and I've, I've thought that about both Kaya and Colton. It's like, you know, you, you take a kid who's really mature, really bright, really intelligent, and... Uh, you know, that's some of the telltale smoking gun signals of an old soul. It's somebody yeah. who's lived so many times that when they come back into this world with a new body as a youngster, they really don't seem like a youngster for very long because mm-hmm. they're wise beyond their years. They they pick things up pretty quickly, yeah. whether that's nursing school or a knack for solving Rubik's Cubes, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I'm just, you know it, or a talent, an interest, a hobby, you know. Um, kids who kids pick up really quickly. It just makes you wonder, you know. But they're they're children by appearance only. That our souls are their souls are as ancient as any other adult. Yeah, same. Yeah. Souls are souls are all kind of on equal playing fields, really. There at that point, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So again, January eleventh is the date to buy the Sky Diaries book. That'll be on Amazon. Uh, in the show notes, we'll we'll post a link to my. Mm-hmm. To my email, because when you buy the book on January 11th, email, email my office, proof of your purchase. We'll tell you how to attend one of the free events and uh, help spread the word. You know, I know it's after Christmas um, that that's coming out, but I figured it would give people uh, something to read, something to inspire you and get you through all the dark, you know, uh, boring winter months of January and February in the springtime. And the book is a memoir of sorts. It's my life story. It's It's how my family and I piece together uh, clues and evidence that uh, we had shared past lifetimes together in various capacities and in various roles. Uh, the book has been about five years in the making, uh, but technically speaking, it's been more like 200 years in the making because it dives <laughs> into a past life uh, that some of my family members and I shared together. And it's, uh, yeah, a lot of my heart and soul is in this book. And, and it's it was kind of surreal as it all came together. You know, to to realize that things I had been experiencing in my youth, you know, as young as seven, eight, nine, ten years old, all of those events led me to do what I do nowadays. Uh, not only as a psychic medium, but as a as a father to my daughter Sky, who's seven years old, and uh, she's on the cover of the book. Uh, she she's pretty thrilled about that. Uh, Going on sixteen, I should mention. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I saw she's... a picture of her the other day, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so old. So again, the book comes out January 11th on Amazon. Um, we're trying to make this a, a bestseller. We're actually we're trying to make this a number one bestseller. I, I have a friend who has some ties to uh, some connections in Hollywood, and I was chatting with her about the book, and you know just how much of my heart and soul is wrapped up in the story, and what a long. Uh, process it's been to finally see this through to fruition and and i was i was telling her i I said you know i've i've always imagined that this story would be a a movie like it would be a hollywood movie we'd be eating popcorn watching it in a theater someday and she said oh it will and she's a very spiritual person very wise and she said it will you know you you put in the effort you know when when effort uh you know, comes together with with manifestation, and you know when you combine your hopes and dreams with a lot of effort, good things tend to happen. She said this will be made into a movie, and she said when the time's right, she said she'll introduce me to the right actors and directors and people to make that happen. Hmm. And but then you get to wondering who who would play you in a movie like Eddie? If Eddie, if if there was a story about Eddie's life, who would play Eddie? 
I don't yeah. know. I feel weird yeah. like picking my own. Yeah, let, let let's let the other guy pick the other. Who guy. would play? Somebody Eddie. once told you, Eddie, you kind of look like like a young uh, Matt LeBlanc from Friends. I got in so many mixed. Yeah, Matt <laughs> LeBlanc, Matthew Broderick. I could see Matthew. Broderick. I could see. Yeah, that. someone said Matthew Broderick, and then uh, one person said. Uh, Colin Farrell, which I don't know is necessarily Saturday Night Live guy. No, Colin Farrell. Uh, that's Colin Quinn. You're thinking of? Oh, Colin Quinn. Colin. <laughs> which I don't know. Oh, I'm not taking. Will, I'm Colin taking Farrell's Colin Quinn Irish, and Will Farrell. Colin Farrell is that Irish guy that was in like uh, the Daredevil movie. He played Bullseye. Okay. Um, um, a few other things, but yeah. Um, Someone even said Robert Downey Jr., but that's going a little bit far, I think, on that one. <laughs> I don't know. We strap on an Iron Man outfit, and we'll see. Yeah, right. You know? uh, as far as Pat, who has the most amazing eyebrows? Who could, who could pull off Pat? They have a strong eyebrow game. You're not <laughs> coming in weak with that weak eyebrow action. Jason Alexander? <laughs> I could see Jason Alexander. <laughs> no. I could, um, no, um, what's his name? Um, Maybe uh, a young, young and handsome Dan Aykroyd? Maybe? You have a Dan Aykroyd vibe for sure. Yeah. yeah, Dan Aykroyd could have played you for for, for <laughs> sure, and uh, funny too, viciously funny. Um, Pat's got that sneaky funny, comes in over the top like with a with a wry, funny one. Um, who else? Let me think this through a little bit. I feel like, well, chime in on our socials, people. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah. you've gotten to know us a little bit. Who there, could be? There's, there's pictures of us on there, and you know, tell us who, tell us which celebrity you think we most look like. Mm. You know? And I was chatting with my family. Okay, who's going to play my daughter Sky in the movie? And like, find the kid with the biggest, curliest hair in the world, and, <laughs> and they've got the gig. Her hair is so curly. Her hair is amazing. You know, and your hair is straight, and so is so is uh, Kenzie's. Kenzie's hair so I don't straight know. Too. My hair has a little curl to it if it's wave. long, if it's wet, but not mm-hmm. like this. Her hair, her hair is like. It's like just a mane of beautiful curls, and I always joke, you know, I'm most I'm 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 proud of the book. It was a it was a long uh, process to get it written and everything. But I'm the second thing I'm proud about is the photo on the cover because I did her hair that day. Yeah, <laughs> I washed it, I washed it, conditioned it, we air dried it. It was a whole thing, and it's a it's a picture of her literally reaching up to touch the sky, which mm-hmm. is appropriate because in the Sky Diaries book, sunsets, shooting stars. Um, you know, the sky itself, there's a lot of undertones that, that are relevant to the sky. And, uh, yeah, on the front cover, she's, she's touching the sky and she's actually named after sunsets and shooting stars, SKY. That's why we named her sky. Um, but it's kind of a, it's a, it's a long story. Um, it's, it's, it's a saga. I mean, it, it spans multiple lifetimes. It includes events that I've experienced since I was a child uh, it includes how I stumbled into my line of work as a psychic medium, uh, which was ultimately a near-death experience that happened to me in the fall of 2006. Uh, all the synchronicities, all the miracles involving the death of my grandma and what an impact she had on me uh, throughout my life, uh, initially fostering my interest in things such as monsters, myths, and mysteries. And the story maps out all the amazing, beautiful miracles that... I received from my grandma to know that she was still around me in spirit and ultimately once I was establishing myself as a psychic medium um, I had an appointment one day with a with a client named Kenzie and uh, in in her appointment she's asking me about her her future and I'm predicting things like I always do and she asked me about children and and I, I remember telling her it was a feeling came over me of deja vu. It was almost a feeling unlike like I, I was remembering something but wasn't really sure what I was remembering. And I I told Kenzie, I said, Someday you are going to have a very special daughter. She's gonna be an old soul, she'll be highly empathetic, she'll be great with animals, she'll be just there's something unique about this kid. As I'm describing this child, there was a glass candle holder on my on the shelf on my wall that literally exploded into a thousand pieces uh, due to whatever temperature change or whatever but the candle exploded you know at the time we kind of chalked it up to wow that was strange but in hindsight we wonder if it was our guardian angels and loved ones in heaven trying to tell us pay attention to the significance of this conversation about Mm -hmm. your daughter yeah well, the ironic part about being a psychic medium is I can't always predict my own future. So little did I know at the time that Kenzie and I would fall in love, get married, and have this child together. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we did, uh, again, just the, the synchronicities, 
just started to pile up. You know, first of all, discovering that Kenzie and I had shared a past lifetime together as Native Americans on the Midwestern Plains in the 1800s. But on top of that, we came across actual, tangible, physical evidence that our guardian angels, Henry and Sarah, were actually Kenzie's great, 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 great grandparents. Oh, wow. And, and we actually found documentation in an old shoebox in Kenzie's closet that verifies that we actually were best friends uh, with our guardian angels in that past lifetime. Hmm. That's crazy. And as, as the story progresses, it, it really culminates with when my daughter was, when Sky was just shy of three, we, three years old, which is significant. I'll tell you why in a minute. But when she was just shy of three years old, she started to say things that left us with our jaws hanging open in disbelief. Uh, turns out she was having memories of who she used to be in her former lifetime. Of course, at three years old, Sky didn't have a reference point for anything. She's just saying things. She's pointing to objects, you know, around in our in our surroundings, and she she has memories of where those objects came from. And ultimately, we were able to piece together that she was somebody uh, very influential from our past, and uh, was the last puzzle piece in the paranormal jigsaw puzzle. And just that aha moment was one of the most shocking moments of my entire life and that's that kind of how the book culminates but i'll put it this way i i'm a i'm a mildly creative person you know i like to do artsy things and, and creative activities this true story of the sky diaries it is so weird and so fantastical i could not have made this up and I feel like, you know, that you might find a, a fiction story out there that's, that's uh, more insane than this. But in my opinion, as far as true stories go, you might not find one that's as um, jaw-dropping as, as this one. Um, it, it has everything you could be looking for as a paranormal fan. There's ghosts. There's angels. There's synchronicity galore. There's miracles. There's past life memories. Um, it's a pretty heartwarming love story, honestly. And, and as my... The, the back cover of the book describes it's about how from one lifetime to the next a family's love never ends it merely changes forms from one life to the next yeah so again if this sounds like something that uh, would get you through that uh, post-holiday lull uh, you can order your paperback uh, copy of the sky diaries on amazon and a little fun fact, I don't know if a lot of our listeners have been to, to my events or not, but anyone who purchases a copy of my book will be able to attend a free gallery reading. And those are the events where I connect with deceased loved ones and relay messages to the audience. And I'm actually doing two of those uh, for people who buy my book. One will be on Zoom for people nationwide. So if you're in California, Texas, or Florida, or wherever, and you buy my book, uh, we'll give you a Zoom link so you can uh, attend that event digitally. And I'm also doing one in-person live event on uh, January 28th, I believe it is. So anyone who buys a book can attend that event live on January 28th. And anyone who buys two books <gasps> <laughs> it will additionally be entered into a contest for a small group session. So this is rounding up five or six of your closest family and friends and sitting down with me and having uh, essentially... Uh, the same experience it, uh, to hear from your deceased loved ones to get a psychic reading a two-hour experience very private very intimate so if you buy 10 books <laughs> the, the paranormal dads will take you out for dinner that's right you can buy 10 books yeah we'll yep. get your name tattooed eddie will get your name tattooed on his on his muscly arm i will yeah so anyway sure. shameless plug you know but uh no. it's I, I hope it's well received i, I think it i think it's going to be a story that speaks to people on so many personal levels and you talk about uh, vulnerable. There are so many very private, very personal, intimate details um, of my life that people have never, ever heard before. And I've been in the public spotlight for many years now. And I keep telling people, you think you've heard parts of the story. You haven't heard the whole story. And mm -hmm. the Sky Diaries is the whole story. Wow. And not only are you writing, you know, like when you're doing a biography or autobiography, you you kind of there's a there's a where Andy started, where how he grew up, where he ended up, but you're dealing with multiple lifetimes as well. So yeah. that that adds to the layers of uh, the story. Yeah, it is, and it, it's 
I've, I've had I have three published books already, but this is the first one of its kind because most of my other books they're more uh, informational, they're mm, more kind of um, topical. Topical. Each chapter is like a standalone chapter mm-hmm. about ghosts, angels, you know, things like that. But this this is actually one continuous story that kind of floats into a past life, comes back to the present. Uh, again, a lot of synchronicities click. Um, a lot of people, the proofreaders who have read it for me, said that. Uh, they 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 couldn't put it down, and in fact, one of them read it through all 380 pages in one sitting. Oh wow! Oh, wow. So I hope it's a, I hope it's a page turner. And uh, so again, January 11th is the day to get that book. If you get it in whatever version, if you get paperback or ebook or both, be sure to email my office uh, proof of your purchase because that's what's going to qualify you for the for the free for all the bonuses Gallery. I just mentioned. All the, all the bonuses. Yeah. Also, uh, the uh, grammar is going to be impeccable because Andy is really well spoken. So I know like, some words and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what the proofreaders are for, Eddie. Cause exactly. <laughs> when you write a book, you know what it's supposed to say. So when my when my eyes read all my typos, I just skip over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I missed all thousands of typos that were in there. So hopefully oh, sh- they caught them all. Oh, sure. You know. Yeah. Can you please change I ain't got nothing to... <laughs> 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 all right. Man, well done. I You know, the, the notion of the... The following of the thread of your past lives and figuring out the significance of those things is, uh, you know, fascinating. Yeah. So again, January 11th is the date to buy the Sky Diaries book. That'll be on Amazon. Uh, in the show notes, we'll we'll post a link to my mm-hmm. to my email because when you buy the book on January 11th, email email my office proof of your purchase. We'll tell you how to attend one of the free events and uh, help spread the word. You know, I know it's after Christmas. Um, that that's coming out, but I figured it would give people uh, something to read, something to inspire you and get you through all the dark, you know, uh, boring winter months of January and February in the springtime. So some of those get Christmas. you a fresh outlook for the new year, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Some of those Christmas presents that come like right after Christmas are kind of fun too. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got you this book. I'm gonna get you this book. Here's a little screenshot, you know, and wait two weeks and I'll buy you a book. You know, there you go. It's exciting. Well, thanks for uh, letting me uh, plug that a little bit, guys. Uh, thanks to all you listeners for tolerating a little bit of advertising there. But uh, we've, we've been waiting on this one because it's, oh, it's uh, super fun, near and dear to my heart. Congratulations! So, well, that's what thanks. we're all doing. I mean, it comes into state. You know, it's all part of what we're doing it's, here. We've so been hearing fun. about this book for oh, like why? you say, it's been a clip, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's it's exciting that it's it's all kind of coming to a head here. Yeah. So well, it's kind of a case we we were talking about Sky. Uh, before she was born, in fact, we had friends and family members that were dreaming about Sky before before Kenzie was even pregnant with her. So it's all part of the, you know, fate and destiny component of the story. But gosh, from uh, uh, weird creatures to great movies to upcoming books, I think we covered just about everything. What's what's the name of that cryptid, cryptid again? Oh, jeez. I don't even have it in front of me. The Snaggle Floofer. Snaggle Snoofer <laughs> Floofer Fluffer. Yeah, Sniggle Pops. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a fun thing. We should have a contest. If you can come up with the funniest name of a made-up cryptid, Ooh. send it in to us. Maybe we should run a little competition. I'll tell you what. Uh, anybody who can cu- who can come up with the funniest one, we're going to pick a winner, and we're going to send them a, a little, little prize. little prize. little paranormal dad's prize. And Snuffleupagus is taken. You That's can't taken. do that. You can't use that one. It's Big Bird's imaginary friend. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, the weirdest, funniest, of, and, and we get to vote. Yeah, we get and to we'll, vote. And we'll read it out on the next uh, time we do a podcast. Yep. Do a recording. So put on your creative paranormal podcast uh, hat and, and tell us. And I have to say, Eddie, the whole time we've been recording here during the serious things we've been talking about, I'm looking at you and I'm trying not to laugh because you have this elf hat on <laughs> yeah. and we're talking about past lives and I'm like, this dude was a garden gnome in a past lifetime. <laughs> I have no regrets. I have garden gnome energy all day long. I'll keep your garden safe and bring magic to it. Magic. Well, as always, uh, stick through uh, the final song if you want to hear a couple bloopers and outtakes from from earlier in this episode. Thanks to people at freesound.org for giving us some sound bites and music. And, yeah, hit us up on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can even email us at uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com. Yep. And he's got it all. It's all right there. He laid it all out. Do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> We're done. So you get me talking about past lives and I get all hyper. Woo! We just say goodbye and thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody.
What are you doing over there? Doing my tarot cards. Oh, is that what it is? I'm doing tarot cards as you guys are doing. <laughs> I see Eddie messing with his phone. I'm doing my digital tarot cards. Ooh, girl, hooded man in ecstasy. Ooh, I'm gonna do ecstasy. Things get hot and steamy. <laughs> Glow stick steamy. Hot okay, steamy. I got this. I like Bigfoot butts, and I cannot lie. <laughs> Candy, sweet as candy, you've got those paranormal eyes, and he, as fine as brandy, I like to eat apple pies, but that's a lie, because I don't care for apple pie. You've heard of carb loading. I've I want to bring out a new phrase called carb bloating. Like, like where I just <laughs> ate like a loaf of bread. Just stood there, just like um, um, um. I gotta pay. Gotta pay. I drank me about fifteen diet cokes. <laughs> I drank about Actually, fifteen. I gotta pee also.